Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Jose Varo, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, Chad. Thanks so much for having me on. We're talking about your new book, Awaken Your Genius, Escape Conformity, Ignite Creativity, and Become Extraordinary. Uh, what, what led you to write this book? I have a number of reasons. Um, there is so much copying and pasting, both in our personal and professional lives. Um, there is this tendency, much of which is genetically wired, to look at what others are doing and do just that. So businesses sort of look around what, to what their competitors are doing and copy and paste with little modification. Um, and the, the problem with that is we notice things because of contrast. So something stands out because it's different from what surrounds it. If there is no contrast, no anomaly, no fingerprints, no idiosyncrasy, you become invisible. You enter into the, the business hall of same. Uh, everything looks bland and invisible means, of course, unremarkable uh, and bland. And so I wanted to write a book to help both people and businesses to get in touch with their unique genius. And I picked the term genius for a very specific reason. Genius is often thought to mean the most talented or the most intelligent, but that's not how I use genius in the book. Uh, the, the, the word harkens to a quote from Thelonious Monk. He says, a genius is the one most like himself. Uh, and the Latin origin of the word means the spirit attendant at birth in each and every person. And, and each of us is like Aladdin and our genie or our genius is bottled up inside of us waiting to be awakened. Unfortunately, we also spend decades of our lives suppressing that genius because we're told to think like our teachers, to think like our parents, to think like influencers and thought leaders, to think like anyone but ourselves. And so we lose touch with that genius within. And I wrote a book to help people awaken their genius. You know, what I like about the, the way you structured the book and kind of your message is it's you're basically just calling people out in a way, my interpretation, to just stop going through the motions and 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 actually find the authentic you. And so is that a fair assessment? For sure. Yeah. And one of the stories in the book that really captures what you just said, Chad, beautifully is the story of Johnny Cash. Uh, you know, in 1954, he walks into the audition room at Sun Records. And at the time, he's a nobody. He's selling appliances door to door and playing gospel songs at night with two of his friends. He is broke, his marriage is in ruins. And for his audition, he picks this gospel song because that's what he knew best. What's more, gospel was all the rage back in 1954. Everyone else was singing it. Uh, the audition doesn't go as Cash plans. As he begins to sing this dreary, slow gospel song, the record label owner, Sam Phillips, 
pretends to be interested for about 30 seconds before interrupting him. And he says, we already heard that song. Just like that. A hundred times. Just like how you sang it. He looks at Cash and he says, sing something different. Sing something real. Sing something you felt. Because that's the kind of song that people want to hear. That's the kind of song that truly saves people. It's got nothing to do with believing in God, Mr. Cash, he says. It has to do with believing in yourself. And that rant jolts Cash out of his conformist, let me sing you some good old gospel attitude. He collects himself. He starts strumming the guitar. And he starts playing the false and prison blues in that deep, distinctive voice of his. And in that moment, he stops trying to become a gospel singer. And he becomes Johnny Cash. All because he rejects the tendency to conform and decides to embrace the, the genius within him. Uh, and now, as you as you said, most of us don't dare do what Cash did in that audition room. Like we'd fail, we'd rather fail collectively. We'd rather fail trying to sing the same gospel song that everyone else is singing rather than risk failing individually. So we chase trends, we copy and paste. And as Cash would say, we walk the line. Um, but no one can compete with you at being you, right? You're the first and the last time that you'll ever happen. And if your thinking is an extension of you, if what you're building, what you're creating in the world is, is an extension of your inner genius, you'll be in a league of your own. Um, so I wrote the book to help people to, to find that inner genius and, and sing the, the, the melodies that only they can play in the symphony of life. Part of what you share about to get to this journey, I mean, it was simple for seemingly simple for, for Johnny Cash, uh, the, the producer of the audio tech, uh, you know, gave him some, some direction for him to, to make this change, but it, it's a little bit more difficult for us because we do have to, you, you talk about it's the death. So how do you go about shedding off what you aren't and who you aren't so that you can actually figure out the direction and the person you really are? Yeah. I, I talk about a number of different strategies. So the, the, you alluded to that. The the death is the first part of the book. And uh, before you can figure out who you are, you have to eliminate who you are not. And and that involves a, um, well, a, a number of things you can do about that. Um, number one is, I think self-reflection is so important. Most of us are living life on autopilot moving from one meeting to the next, one email to the next, one notification to the next, with no opportunity to pause and reflect and, and contemplate. Uh, a simple question that I share in the book is, why am I doing this? Uh, just stopping from time to time and asking yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? And often when I ask myself that question, by the way, there is no good answer. The answer is that I've always done it this way for years and years and years. And so that pattern of behavior, that way of showing up in the world has just stuck. And that question as a way of jolting you out of the autopilot mode and getting you to reflect on what you're doing, why you're doing it. And um, and often that requires finding the what I call the principle behind the tactic. So the tactics that we're using get outdated because we've just done them for so long um, and they become ingrained. But if you ask yourself, why am I doing what you're, what I'm doing and identify the strategy behind the tactic, it becomes easier to find other tactics that, that you initially may have missed. And this, by the way, also requires devoting time to actually think, which so many people don't do. Uh, thinking 
daydreaming, something you were probably chastised for growing up, is one of the most valuable uses of your time. Uh, it, it might seem like when you're daydreaming, when you're thinking, when you're allowing your mind to drift, nothing is happening but appearances deceive. Your subconscious is actually hard at work. It's connecting dots. It's making new associations. It's marrying the old with the new to create new ideas. And if you ask people, where do you get your best ideas? Most people will say in the shower. Um, and, you know, they find that weird. But if you think about it, it's not weird at all. It's the shower is one of the few moments in the day when you're in this solitary environment, uh, you're not being bombarded by notifications and distractions, and you're just there by yourself, allowing your mind to drift. Imagine the types of ideas you might be able to generate. Imagine the types of outdated assumptions you might be able to spot and reimagine how things are working if you replicate those shower-like conditions throughout the day. And I call that in the book, uh, putting yourself on airplane mode, just disconnecting from time to time, going for a walk with no podcast or audiobook. Uh, so many uh, stories of scientists literally walking themselves into the right answer. Um, but it takes some intentionality. And when I first started doing this, I would put it on my calendar. Like I would say airplane mode mm. on my calendar and I would show up like I would show up to a meeting. Uh, and it, when you get into the regular habit of doing that, uh, you'll be surprised at how many incredible ideas you'll be able to generate. What I found interesting is you, you really talk about um, not so much hanging your hat on one simple kind of identity, one simple, you know, just be, being defined by one thing. You you actually think that people can find um, where they can be brilliant in multiple areas and therefore kind of creating this, this uh, kind of rainbow of, uh, or you said, I think you said, diversify uh, yourself and embrace your multitudes. Um, what, how can people, if someone looks at that and thinks about that idea and says, that sounds great, but how am I going to find the time? Um, how do you let people know that it, that with a little extra effort, they can actually be so much more? Sure. And, and by the way, it's not just that you can be so much more. You already are so much more. Um, it's all about tapping into what's already within. And so treating yourself like you would a portfolio of investments, right? You don't want to put everything into all of your investments into Bitcoin. Uh, not a good idea. And you want to do the same for yourself. There's so much benefit to having our own like personal R&D department, research and development department, where we're experimenting with potential futures. And that involves both looking back to your past and looking forward to the future. So taking that first step first, so looking back at your past. If you look across your life, what would you say are like the basic Lego blocks of your talents, interests, preferences? The things that uh, you don't even consider a skill that come easily to you. Um, so it might be, for example, being able to simplify really complicated topics. It might be being able to rally people. It might be your ability to hire the right people. Um, but you'll find those Lego blocks over time. And once you take the time to identify what those Lego blocks are, you can then look to the future and reimagine yourself in different ways. You can take those Lego blocks and build something new that you haven't built before. One of the basic Lego blocks of my life is storytelling you know, from a very young age. And by the way, looking to what you enjoyed doing uh, when you were growing up, before the world told you what you should enjoy, um, before you know the education system cured you of your curiosity, look back at those moments 
what made you different or weird as a kid can make you extraordinary as an adult. And so one of the things that made me weird or different as a kid was my passion for writing stories. From a really early age, I would sit down in front of my grandfather's typewriter and write screenplays and, and stories. And that theme has been consistent across my life. Now, I've used that Lego block in different ways. I've used it as a professor in the classroom to captivate students who didn't want to be in the room. I taught these big first-year classes, required classes filled with students who did not want to be there. And so I had to engage and captivate them in some fashion. And I, I use that skill there. I use it in the keynotes that I give. I use it in the books that I write. People tend to remember, like a lot of the people listening to this will remember the Johnny Cash story. They might forget the principle that we talked about, but the Cash story will stick in a way that the dry principle doesn't. And so when you do that work of teasing out your Lego blocks, then you can look to the future and say, okay, here are the different things I can do with this. And then in looking to the future, it's so helpful to think of the future and think of yourself like a curious scientist might and experiment with potential futures. And this is true whether you're a business or a person. Placing little bets on different paths that you might take in the future to see what works and what doesn't work. Often we're told, you know, you have to commit to something. You have to find your passion. You got to have a five-year plan. And I think a lot of those ideals, as well-intentioned as they might be, actually lead us astray. Uh, in my life, I, I found it really valuable, and this is true for businesses as well, to just place little bets, to see what brings you alive and to see what there's an audience for. And then once you find something clicking, then you can proceed down that path. Um, yeah, so approaching your own life like a curious scientist, discovering your Lego blocks and then diversifying yourself. One of the uh, discussions I had uh, with Seth Godin, who was one of our recent guests as well, he, he talked about you know finding your why this doesn't make sense because your why may not be something that you could live off of. It may not be something that it just exists in your world that you can um, that you can thrive and 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 be. Um, but what he said was find out where you are right now and find the things that give you pleasure. Find the things that give you passion. Find the things that 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 you are that are in your span. And so a lot of what you're talking about here is very similar to that in terms of like you've got to. Maybe maybe your passion could be right in front of you and you just haven't nurtured it enough. So um, is there a, a way somebody that could create kind of a, a their own little checklist? You've talked about the Lego blocks, but how can somebody go about kind of going beyond their comfort zone to find the things that are going to really drive them that they may not realize are so they're so passionate about? Sure. There's a lot in, in my new book, Awaken Your Genius, about that particular question. Uh, one idea that popped to mind immediately from the book is... Setting aside, trying to figure out your passion, which I think is such a loaded word, uh, and it's really hard for people to figure out for the reasons you described, Chad, and leaning into what makes you curious. Um, I think curiosity is something that comes naturally to human beings. Now, you may have been, you may have lost touch with it, but pay attention to those internal signals telling you to like learn more about, uh, I don't know, quantum uh, quantum mechanics or to explore gardening or to learn French. Uh, those voices are definitely within and you're probably suppressing them because they don't seem immediately productive to you, um, but they will lead you to places. They will lead you to your Lego blocks. They will lead you eventually to whatever your passion, your calling might be, but you have to pay attention to those signals and you have to follow them. In the book, I tell the story of Richard Feynman, who's a 
Nobel winning physicist. And um, he was, he taught at Cornell and he's sitting in the cafeteria one day and he's watching someone throw a plate in the air. Uh, and he notices the red medallion of Cornell and the plate is wobbling and the medallion is somehow moving faster than the wobbling itself. And so he becomes curious about why this is. And he sits down to work out the equations of these wobbling plates. A colleague comes to him and, and the colleague says, Feynman, what are you doing? And Feynman says, I'm calculating these, you know, these wobbling rates. And, and the colleague is like, why are you doing that? Like, what is the use of that? And Feynman says, no use at all. I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he, he does that. And then he works out the equations. And then that gets him to think about how electron orbits wobble in relativity. And that gets him to pursue the work that led him to win the Nobel Prize. And looking back, and this is a quote from him, looking back, he says, there would have been no Nobel Prize if I hadn't sat down and played around with the equations of those wobbling plates. Um, so it's so hard to figure out in the moment what's going to lead you to where you need to go. The number one thing you can do is to keep your mind and your body open for those internal signals of curiosity within and follow those breadcrumbs. Well, Ken Blanchard's definitely going to like that story. I'm not sure if you're aware, but he's a Cornell alum. So anytime you can name drop a Cornell, uh, not not a bad one. We'll probably hear well, that. Well, I'm a Cornell alum as well. So fantastic. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll definitely uh, mention that in the in the closing comments. I'm sure. So that you know, being open to what's outside of your world and and not being so focused intrinsically on on the things that are are so comfortable to you. How do you do that as well? I mean, not everybody's going to be sitting in a cafeteria and be, be you know, and, and see spinning plates. How do you get out of your comfort zone to be open to what's on the outside? Yeah, there are a number of things you can do. One, I already mentioned, putting yourself on airplane mode uh, is, is great at getting yourself out of your comfort zone, out of the the autopilot, letting your uh, yourself daydream. The other is... Um, Harkens back to an, a piece of advice that my high school soccer coach would give us. He would say, if you're not in possession, get in position. Meaning, if you're not in possession of the ball on the field, move to a different position on the field where you're open to receive the ball. Um, and I think the same idea applies to creativity and curiosity and reimagination. If you're not in possession of good ideas, new ideas, Move to, physically move to a different place where you can receive them. Um, so often, you know, we're sitting in the same room, uh, on the same chair, looking at the same computer for hours at a time. And when you're stuck physically, you often get stuck creatively as well. Um, it's so valuable, and research backs this up, to physically move to a different place. And so for me, that might involve like picking up my laptop and moving to a different room in the house where I don't normally work. And even the change in the background, now I've got different decorations around me, different bookshelf, different everything. That environment becomes a new space onto which I can project new ideas. And this is why, by the way, smokers find it easier to quit when they're traveling because their new environment, you know, the, the city, the new city or the new foreign country they might be in doesn't have the same smoking associations as their home. And, and that idea applies to getting out of any sort of rut breaking any sort of pattern is to physically move out of the place where you normally work into different places. Uh, and that will get the, the thought factory uh, churning up again in your brain. 
I think one of the hardest parts about kind of self-improvement is you do get so comfortable where you are. And then oftentimes you can get so focused on working the plan that you've, you've plotted out. How do you, how do you create a, a, a world and a, and a, and, and the ability uh, Ozan to, to be open to course correction. Uh, you said something in here, you know, that, that uh, it's not a ladder, it's more of a, of a jungle gym, meaning that, that it's not necessarily straight up. It's to the side and over and maybe under, how do you, how do you create a, a world where you're just open to new directions, even when you have plotted out that, that very detailed plan? Because I think what you're trying to sh- share here is we need to be open to the path that is presented to us, not the one we plot out. Right. And one of the many things I share in Awaken Your Genius about that is, is getting comfortable with uncertainty because it's often this fear of uncertainty that gets us stuck. The fear of uncertainty that leads us to copy and conform because we assume that other people know something that we don't, especially in conditions of uncertainty. Um, There is so much value in leaning into uncertainty. So how do you do that? Number one is realizing that all breakthroughs happen in uncertain conditions. If you look across human history, every scientific breakthrough, every business breakthrough happened when people moved outside of the zone of certainty, the zone of right and wrong answers into uncertainty, where all things that never existed are created. And if you stick to the familiar, you'll never find the unexpected. So it's only in conditions of uncertainty that that breakthroughs happen. So number one is realizing that and being aware of that, that uncertainty isn't a foe, uh, it's a friend. And number two is, uh, and this relates to the point you just mentioned about life being a jungle gym and not a ladder, of being able to and being comfortable moving forward with imperfect information. Uh, I love this quote from Rumi. He says, as you start to walk, as you start to walk on the way, the way will appear. The implication being that the way is not going to appear until you actually start to walk. I think so many of us want to see the precise destination and all the twists and turns that will take to get there. Um, but life doesn't work that way, which is why people get stuck. They never move because you're just not going to have perfect information and, and perfect clarity. I was a rocket scientist before I uh, you know, launched my career as a professor initially and then and then writer and, and, and speaker later. But in rocket science, there is so much uncertainty. You know, there's hundreds of things that can happen when you go to light a rocket and only one of them is good. Uh, and, and you deal with that uncertainty by being okay with imperfect information and by focusing incessantly on what you can control, what is yours to shape, and then moving forward, taking one step forward and then another and then another. I worked on this Mars mission back in 2003. There was so much uncertainty about what we would find when we landed on Mars. And uh, we sent two rovers, Spirit and Opportunity, to the Martian surface in 2003. And... When we got down to the surface, our expectations were wrong, and not just a little bit wrong, but completely wrong. We had designed these rovers to operate on a Martian surface that were just that just did not exist. So we very quickly had to learn to solve the problems that Mars was giving us, as opposed to the problems that we wanted to solve, as opposed to the problems that we thought we would solve. I remember a few years into one of the rover's missions, um, the right front wheel got stuck. And navigators figured out a way to drive the rover backward for the rest of its life. 
Um, and we have designed the rovers to last for 90 days. And because the the engineers and scientists behind the mission were so willing to dance with uncertainty, so willing to be adaptable, one of the two rovers ended up roving the red planet for 14 years into its 90-day expected lifetime. Um, so I think, you know, so much value in treating treating life the, the same way, just taking one step forward. And yeah, your right front wheel will get stuck from time to time, but you can adjust, you can adjust, you can adapt. You can figure out a way to drive your own rover backward for the rest of its life. May we all uh, exceed our 90-day warranty by that many years. <laughs> uh, Ozana, as we begin to wrap up our, our discussion today, what's the one thing that you'd like our listeners to take away from this? The one thing is, um, it goes back to the beginning of the of the conversation. The point that no one can compete with you at being you. You are the first and the last time that you'll ever happen. If you don't awaken your own genius, if you don't claim the wisdom that you're sitting on top of, that wisdom is going to be lost both to you and to the rest of the world. And so, so much value in in um, in escaping conformity, in stop singing gospel. And and start singing the Folsom Prison Blues that that only you can sing. Azan Varal, if uh, people wanted to uh, dig a little bit deeper into your world, learn a little bit more about you, where would you send them? Two places. Number one, if you'd like to get the book, the new book, Awaken Your Genius, head over to geniusbook.net. There is a special bonus there that you can get for ordering the book. It's a mini video course. Uh, 10 life-changing insights from the book, similar to the ones that you heard on the podcast today that you can um, apply in your life right away and that you can watch that in less than 30 minutes. So that's geniusbook.net. And then if you'd like to keep in touch with me, uh, the best way to do that is through my email list. I've got an email that goes out every Thursday to over 50,000 people. It shares one big idea that you can read in three minutes or less. Mm. And you can sign up for that by texting my first name. So Ozan, O-Z-A-N to 55444. So that's my first name, Ozan, to 55444. Or heading over to my website, which is ozanvarol.com, O-Z-A-N-V-A-R-O-L.com. I love it. Thank you so much. So appreciate your uh, your expertise, your uh, the research you put into this, and, and just sharing your thoughts and your, your passion with us today. Thanks so much for having me on, Chad. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Thanks, Chad, for interviewing Ozan Varel. What an interesting human being. And I think his book sounds fabulous. I just love the, the title and the subtitle. It really kind of says it all. Awaken your genius. We're not talking about somebody else's genius. 
Be the best that you can possibly be. And the subtitles get added too. Escape uh, uh, conformity. Ignite a creativity and become extraordinary. You can become extraordinary. And what he wants us to do is really a lot of self-reflection. I love where he says, avoid the business hall of same. You don't want to be the same. You want to be constantly growing. He wants you to look at the past and what is it good that comes out of that. Then look to the future. Bring some of that stuff from the past that was really good. Then combine it with some new stuff. And now what? Imagine yourself going forward. So you can really be something. And so I just love the whole concept of, of self-reflection and, and asking questions about why are you doing things? What can you be better at? How can you be the best you that you could possibly be? So thanks, Chad. Thanks, Ozan. What wonderful stuff. Listen to this. Share it with uh, your friends and, and, and colleagues and become the best you that you can become, not somebody else. So be it, do it, have fun. Life is really a very special occasion.